There is a sixth dimension beyond that which is known to man. It is a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity. It is the middle ground between light and shadow, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the sunlight of his knowledge. This is the dimension of imagination. It is an area that might be called a gentleman's chat. Ooh, got e- shivers down my spine. Absolutely. Episode 9 with your hosts, Ian and Billy. Yeah. We're back. That was a flawless intro, I might say. Thank you. Here on a gentleman's chat, our intros are so flawless, we never need a second take. No, we've It's ne- always just a one-time we've shoot. We've never once taken a second go at the introduction. And we're going to stick to that story <laughs> until the day we die. <laughs> we didn't just spend a half hour messing around with it. No. I didn't accidentally read uh, episode sevens accidentally. No. Well, that's okay. Seven and nine, they're pretty much the same. They're very close. They're very close. I don't know any statisticians, but I feel like they might agree <laughs> with me if you were to ask them that question. Exactly. They're, they're like two-ish yeah, numbers ish. off. I yeah. Mean, go, get plus or minus. Nothing. Give or take. I mean, really. <laughs> So what do you have for us today, Billy? What do I have? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were doing the entire weeks. I took the week off. You took the week off. I'm just yeah. kidding. I, I have a few things I was going to say, you, you, you wouldn't let me touch the topic sheet for this episode. So oh, uh, I'd let you touch the entire thing. <laughs> no, that's not true at all. So what? My, let me reverse the role here. What do you have for me? Ooh, I have the world's biggest problems, Billy. Oh. The top 10 biggest problems, to be exact. Okay. And here on a gentleman's chat, you're going to solve all of them. We are problem solvers here. Exactly. And within an episode, 10 of the world's biggest problems. Out the door. And this is coming straight from Business Insider, so you know it's 100% accurate. Yeah. I've never read anything aside from this article no, from them, yeah, it's, so... It's like it's coming from Ebb's co-host. Exactly. You know, it's, just, <laughs> it's the exact same thing. So, starting out on number 10. Okay, so we're building 10 up to 1. Yes, it appears so. Hopefully there's not an ad in the middle. (laughs) (laughs) Number 10. Lack of economic opportunity and unemployment. So we can clump that all into unemployment. Unemployment is below 4%. There are people that are actively searching for employees that cannot find them. There is not an unemployment problem. In this, in this country, at least. The country that we live in. There are oh. other countries that maybe you could say something different. But... I think this is in America, Billy. Yeah, there's not an unemployment issue. Oh, it's the top ten. It's definitely it's not. Issue. It's a non-issue. <laughs> the people that think it's an issue are mad that they don't get paid enough and that minimum wage isn't high enough. But what they don't understand is that if you make fi- a, a minimum wage $15, a carton of eggs is going to cost 6 Point in case, California. <laughs> yes, Cal- California is actually a great case because their minimum wage is very high. It's, yeah, I think it's, it's like fourteen seventy-five. It's actually double than the state that we live in. Oh yeah, and their cost of living, fun- funny enough, is double what it is here. <laughs> at like, least I yeah. would I would say even more so. But yeah, well, it is at least double. I mean, you can draw pretty direct parallels to minimum wage and cost of living. Yeah. Because if you raise the bottom, then the products at the bottom, your milk, eggs, butter, that are supposed to be cheap, they're going to have to raise because everyone processing those products at minimum wage is yes. also making more. Yes. Of course, now, that a bigger city is going to cost more to live in just because of yes. spaces. But when you average all the numbers out, it there is definitely a correlation between minimum wage and cost of living. Oh, so 
Number 10, knocked out right Yeah, quick. we're only um, four minutes in, and three of it was the intro. So exactly. really, we're... Smacking a stick right across Dude, that by one. By the time the ad read comes, we'll have this bad boy figured out. There it is. Number nine. I don't know how to wrap this into one. So the overarching is safety. safety. How will you solve safety in the world today, In Billy? the world? We, we can narrow it down for you. We'll be nice. In America, how would you solve safety? Safety is a hard one. I think it comes... I think... Mm, wow, you're right. This is very difficult. <laughs> I think if you were to simplify it down into one point that would affect the the nation's safety, I think I would say compassion. Because I think a lot of things, when you look at gun violence or uh, mass shootings, school shootings, these sorts of things, there are people that are angry, they're misunderstood, and they're backed into a corner. And they do irrational things to try to to justify the feelings that they have. I think instead of yelling at people or living in even your own echo chamber of opinions, if you were to be willing to reach across the aisle and have compassion for someone that you disagreed with, I think you could make the, the country, at least, a safer place. So you want to be compassionate to those you disagree with? Yes. Good luck getting that point across. I know, I know. Well, it'd, it'd be amazing. Hey, here on a gentleman's chat, we like to dream. Okay, this is true. We're we, dreamers. We That's all dreamers. we do all week. Uh, we do. And we talk about our dreams. Yes, we dream up topics <laughs> and then we talk about them for an hour on a Sunday. This is true. It's a wonderful way to live. It really. You is. You guys should try it too. I recommend it for everybody. Yeah, except not. During Tuesdays at noon, because that's when you should be listening to a gentleman's yes, chat. Yes, yes. And don't don't try to take our place on the Mexican iTunes charts, because we are firmly ah, planted yeah. atop that one. <laughs> Fire Dude, it up. We're going to be number one really, all time. I should be solving Mexico's problems, that's because true. they're most of our audience. You're going to be the Mexican president. I, well, I don't speak a whole lot of Spanish. Uh, that's okay. My If, if, like, <laughs> if I had to place a, place a grade level on my Spanish, I'd be like... Senior year high school, maybe. So not at all. It's not very good. <laughs> it's not very good. Fair enough. Compassion. Yeah. I feel like in most things, that's a good way to go. It is a great way. Number eight happens to be something you might be personally invested in. Oh, goodness. Lack of education. Oh. Or poor education nowadays. Oh. Well, Ian. <laughs> How long does this go again? An hour? Hmm. All right, I'll summarize, <laughs> I'll this, summarize my points. No, um, education is definitely an interesting one because there are so many people with so many different opinions. And uh, if I had to fix education or our country's poor education, wow. Um, oof. It would be a lengthy reform. I think one of the biggest things that we've done wrong is we've implemented a lot of standardized tests oh. and we've put in so many high stakes tests to measure the teacher and to measure how good the teacher is doing. But coupled with that, we've also placed in social emotional learning. So not only do I have to teach to these standardized tests, I also have to, as part of curriculum, teach um, social emotional things such as compassion, teamwork, these sorts of ideas and I need to wrap all of them together in 43 minutes. And next year it's going to be 42 minutes. And the year after that it's going to be 40 minutes. Are you saying this isn't difficult? Yeah, yeah they're, they're asking to put more and more and more into a class period. And then they're wondering, 
why people aren't getting the material as good as they could. So I think if I were to solve the issue, I would reform the way we do standardized tests and I would reform the way that we implement social emotional learning in the classroom. You clearly thought of this before. I, yeah, a little bit because I try to do that in my classroom. Okay. I try to not worry about the standardized tests because I've always been a believer that if you know the material, You'll the, do test, fine the regardless. test won't matter. Yep. You know, people that are stressed about studying and memorizing facts, you know, if you just understand the topic and you get the gist of it, you're more likely to do better. And you're also more invested in it yeah. as opposed to learning it for, you know, one session of regurgitation. Yeah. So that's what I would do in terms of education. That's beautiful. Coincidentally enough, I had a, uh, this was yesterday, I had a guy from the Democratic Party show up at my front door, <laughs> right? He was out doing like door-to-door surveys or something like that. And I was, I was in my office. It was like 11 o'clock. Maybe, maybe it might have been noon. And I was just in my pajamas and just, you know, like a long sleeve shirt that you wear in the house that no one yeah. sees you in. And I was doing work. You know, I had homework up. I was doing lesson plans and I was getting stuff ready for this week. And this guy knocked on the door. And, of course, you know, my mother answered. And I heard the proverbial, Billy. And I was like, oh, goodness. Well, at first I thought <laughs> it was like the police or something because like, she was talking in a very professional manner. I was like, what's oh. happening? So I walk out there. And the guy's name is Ethan. And I shook his hand. He said, yeah, I'm with the Democratic Party. I'm just doing some, some door-to-door surveys and stuff. Would you mind answering some questions? And we went through, you know, scale of 1 to 10. How do you think Trump is doing? How do you think Tammy Baldwin? What are your thoughts on Tony Evers? And, uh, you know, rating these people and policies and stuff like that. And one of the things that we were talking about was education. He said, you know, if, if you had to change one thing, what would be the thing? And I was like, wow, this is too <laughs> easy, Ethan. This is right in my wheelhouse. So I, I laid that spiel on him. Yeah, but it was like 25 degrees outside. I only had pajama pants on and, a, and like a thin long sleeve shirt. It was freaking cold. And got, I, didn't, I didn't invite the guy in the house either. Ooh, like you just, just make him stand well, out because, there. Because his ending line was, well, would you be willing to campaign for the Democratic Party? And I said, Ethan, I, I would love nothing more. I wouldn't love nothing more. I mean, I, I don't want to do that. <laughs> but I don't want to hurt the guy's feelings. He, he was standing at my doorway and I thought to be a gentleman, I don't want to just exactly. hurt this guy's feelings. Especially because we just had a good conversation. I said, well, I would love to, but as an educator in the state of Wisconsin, I can't affiliate myself with a party like that. Ooh, he said, that's a beautiful scapegoat. And, and, and he said, oh, you know what? That makes really good sense. Would you be willing to put a sign up in your yard? And I said, no, no, Ethan. I don't even want to give the impression. <laughs> now, just so you're all aware, it's actually not a rule in Wisconsin. Like, I can be part of whatever party I want. Yeah. Nobody yeah. cares. That has nothing to do with the but, separation of church yeah, and state or yeah, any sort of... He, yeah, he was just parties. like... He was like, yeah. No, I totally understand. No, that's a, that's a good point you just brought up. I was like, Ethan, you have yourself a great day. Goes up to the next house. You see, I'm actually with the plumbers union, yeah. and yeah, as a plumber, I can't. As, as, yeah, as a, listen, as actually, my next door neighbor works at a private college. Oh, in in our okay. town that our, a mutual acquaintance of ours goes to. Oh, yes. So they'd knock on his door. And, yeah, he's a, he's a maintenance guy, or he does painting, or something like that. And he would say immediately, "Yes, yes." As a uh, as a part of the National Plumbers Association or National Painters Association, I'd like we don't affiliate ourselves with a particular party. That's a good way to do that. Yeah, I had a much worse idea, and after you went oh, on no. that whole spiel, I feel like mine kind of got swept <laughs> under the rug. Okay, I was just gonna say we have a lot of room in America. Okay, like 
as far as people for land area, we yeah. we're set. We're golden. We're good. We should just adopt a whole bunch of orphan kid kids in countries that do better on standardized testing, and they'll boost our. We do that. We don't <laughs> adopt them, but they come here fleeing crisis. <laughs> Oh, and so in other words, if I just start a crisis in one of there, then we can refuge yes, a whole if bunch. You start, if, you start, if you could manage to start system. a bigger crisis in somewhere like China, yeah, you go for it. They they have their own crisis. That's true. I'd need to be. They are a crisis. More tyrannical than a communist government. They're not communist. They're democratic communist. Yes. Oh, sorry. Democratic I will rephrase. They are a lots of bullcrap words in front of it communist communists yes yeah that's what they're at that's what... dude you've nailed it yeah well, i can't believe you're not a history teacher yeah right bill nye step aside well he was science but speaking of communism okay number seven wow really doesn't have anything innately to do with communism this might be the best segue we've ever had our segues are known to be bad yeah speaking of communism yeah food and water security that's number seven. How would you secure food and water? Make sure we have enough as the We've years got, Food is not an issue in this country. It, it really isn't. Uh, who has the food? You could maybe make an argument. But by and large, we don't have a problem with food. Because the whole Midwest is nothing but farmers. That is true. And not only that, in my opinion, from all the ones that I've dealt with in my lifetime... They're very intelligent people, and they're always willing to do whatever it takes for anybody else. Yeah. So they're not the selfish type to, like, I'm not going to sell you this grain that I grew for you know X and X reason that's political. They're very honest, hardworking people. Yeah. I don't think food is an issue. I think water can be an issue. Um, especially when you look at some of the aquifers that we use down south that are drying up at a rapid rate as, as water consumption increases, especially as California dries out. Every year they have a water shortage, all the fires that they have to fight. I mean, they're, they have a lot of people draining a lot of water they in have that a lot, small area. They have though. a lot going on. New York is a very similar way, except New York just has bad water. Yeah. Because they still have those 200-year-old water towers that nobody services. Of course The not. city is supposed to, but... I actually just watched the whole documentary on how bad it is. When you've never hard. not been in debt as a city, yeah. you, you don't really have the funds yes. to go out and get new water towers. I think water is really the big one. Uh, we've made some really big steps recently in the past five years in uh, preserving water so it doesn't evaporate so quickly when it's set in uh, big uh, holding tanks mm -hmm. to be used. Um, we have toilets that use less water, You know, shower heads that use less water. I think we're definitely in the right direction with that sort of thing. Um, in terms of keeping, if you were to wrap uh, seven and eight together or eight and nine, the, the safety, yep. there is definitely an issue, especially at airports, with people bringing in foods that have unknown pesticides that really ruin crops. And From I, like uh, overseas. And yeah, whatnot. overseas. You know, If you bring in green peppers from Mexico, the, the pesticides and the pests there are different than here. And yep. the food here doesn't have any defenses against it. So you can really cause a lot of issues with that. So I think really just keeping an eye on it, if we keep progressing in the same direction, there's not a huge Be issue. Be smart. Make new technological advancements and, yeah, and better and, service our food and water. Yeah, and also make them fiscally available. Yeah. Because some people get this idea like they've got this fantastic humanitarian idea 
and they'll monetize it in such a way that it becomes impractical. Yeah. And I, I think if, so long as they don't do that, I think uh, there's not a huge issue, really. So you said, let's see here, all the big cities, really, like all of California, we have New York, we have the Southern Coast, so basically, we just build a wall in the Midwest. Actually, if we built a moat to keep all the extra water in from rain. <laughs> there we go. And we could dump all our battery acid there, too. We should do that, from, from east to west, sort of like the... Transcontinental Railroad that yeah. brought everybody together. Yeah. Just dig a moat for yeah, rainwater. And we'll call it like the Mississippi River. It <laughs> splits the country in two. Yeah, but it's going east and west. Okay. We'll go we, at the what we Mississippi. Do, we, oh, Mississippi wow. backwards. Holy, holy. <laughs> Dude, we should, we should make it look like a cross too to really symbolize our nation's unity in a. Yeah, religion? that's not going to stir any sort no, of no. controversy No, I learned at all. that I think 25% of the country, or at least 25% now, identify as atheists. Oh, easily. Yeah, and that was, this was like seven years yep. ago I read the stats. Yep. So Young probably... people especially, like people our age, Yeah, I would say vast majority. Is that at like number least, three on at that least list? Least 80%, at least 80%. At least 80% are atheists. Yeah. I'm not sure. In our age demographic. Is. We're, on, we're on six now, and it has okay. a cute little picture of... Girls wearing masks with their Ooh. butts showing. That's journalism right there. That is journalism. Yeah, oh, they're, they're on the back of the head. It's just a mask on the back of the head and then just butts. Of uh, someone, I don't know, it looks just like a random discount 80s movie monster. Well, so long as the butts look good, right? Exactly. Isn't that what every uh, every sexist guy would say nowadays? Exactly. I'm really fitting the stereotype. But we as gentlemen won't... won't Draw any attention to the no. gorgeous rear ends that this journalist no. clearly wanted to no. emphasize. It's actually the last thing I want to know about. But credit where credit is due. That's a, that's a pretty nice rear end. <laughs> <laughs> what a gentlemanly statement you've just of made. Of course. Yes. Hey, I I will respect anyone if they work for something good. Say say it's calves. It doesn't have to be a yeah. rear end. Yeah. They have good calves. Yeah, good caps. Good yeah. job. You go to a gentleman's club just to start exactly. just, just to throw compliments around because you're that nice of a guy. Exactly. I'll go. You have outstanding elbows. Wow. Exactly. Anyhow, number six with this wonderful picture is government accountability and transparency transparency slash corruption. Uh, this is a millennial problem, is what this is. These are all like these hashtag woke folk. <laughs> um, it's true. It really is. That's because, a great hashtag. Because, That's well, catchy. This is this is something that I uh, I've actually spent a lot of time researching because for a long time I was really deep into um, politics. Yep. Not in like like surface level presidential politics, but actually like um, political policies, and because that was yeah. it, all, it also wraps in with education and philosophy and and understanding like comparative politics and stuff like that is very useful. Yes, indeed. Um. Statistically speaking, and this is not some like tin hat, the moon is made of cheese. Actual statistically speaking, the United Ooh. States has the low, one of the lowest percents of corruption when measured uh, globally. Well, yeah, I mean, that's we're why very, we're doing so well. <laughs> yeah, we're very uncorrupt. People like to make this big tiff about that the government doesn't do anything and they're all corrupt. And it, I know why people say it, and I get on the surface level what they're saying, but statistically speaking... In a, in a scientific method, we're just not very corrupt. Correct. Um, we're really not. Well, transparency was the other one. We actually used to be more transparent as a country. 
Um, cause you know, Nixon used to do the fireside chats yeah. and those sorts of things. And that, that was really a way to connect. Um, Obama did something similar where he did, um, daily or weekly meetings yeah, uh, where he would address the country and stuff like that. And I, I think that is a great way to be transparent. But frankly speaking, they shouldn't be transparent on everything. That is if true. they were transparent on what they were doing with Al Qaeda, we wouldn't have gotten him. That is true. I, I watched, that was a big blow up. Yeah. Obama did a, uh, an interview years later when he was talking about it, because the night that they went and got Osama bin Laden, um, they, he was at the correspondence dinner. And he knew that they were doing the mission. Oh, yeah. But, of course, he couldn't say anything. He had to put on a smile and pretend like there was not a care in the world. But every, like, you know, 20 minutes, a guy would come and they'd talk about it or he'd whisper something. Or I, maybe it wasn't even that, that often. But when the dinner was done, he went right back to the war room. And he sat there and he physically watched them carry out the mission. I don't think the public should have known about that. No. I don't think the public should know where... You know, or what exactly NASA is doing. Not because we don't have a right to know, but because I don't particularly care. I don't <laughs> care where every single one of their dollars goes. You know, at, at the end of the day, you need to understand with something that big, there is going to be an amount of um, excess or loss. I mean, you, you could never have 100% efficiency with something that big. Fair enough. And I, I think if people were were honest about the the important things you know, um, the, the social things, I think that would go a long ways. But in, in terms of corruption, that's, Oh yeah. That's just, we're, we're not corrupt at all. No. Well, I, like I said, I get, <laughs> I get, what, I get what people are saying and I understand their arguments and, and I, I see what they're doing, but the people that most often commentate on these sorts of things are the people that just don't know. Yes. You know, they're commentating from the outside looking in instead of the inside looking out. My biggest saying or the way the way the ball rolls shall we say for our personal government not being corrupt was if our government is corrupt if you go out in the streets like we are allowed to do and do and say the government is corrupt you'd disappear and no one would be saying the government's corrupt yeah so if you're allowed to say like your government's corrupt in your own country it's not that's a fair benchmark at least really not is. not to the point where you go to North Korea, for instance. You say something bad about their country, you're just going to disappear. Yep. So no one says anything bad about their country in the country because it's corrupt. Yeah. So I always look at it that way, where is if we were really corrupt, we wouldn't be able to speak out about it. Yeah, we don't understand how good we have it. We really don't. That is true. Name one other country you'd like to live in. Yeah, that's true. Everybody will give you... Like either Canada or Norway or whatnot, and the only reason they're profitable is because we've given them Norway, so many breaks now. Norway's tax percent is through the roof. Oh my goodness! Canada's it is. government isn't as squeaky clean as people thinks it is. It is. I mean, they're not. they're doing okay, but I mean, economically, they're not a they're not a a world powerhouse. Correct. Well, you're gonna go to England where you have a speed camera every five feet. And they're gonna <laughs> charge, and they're yeah. I mean, they're just in terms of basic freedoms. You can't get better than what the U.S. has. Yeah, that's why we are, we always say, we're the free country. Yeah. We are the land of the free because we are. Yeah, it's And true. despite what people think, it hasn't ever changed. It's we are usually, still the free. It's freest. usually rhetoric spurred on by people that just don't know better. Exactly. All right. Number five, Billy. Dude, we're moving through these fast. I like this it. This is true. This we're is just good. chopping out. We're yeah. halfway through the world's problems. We're doing good. 
They should just sit us down with all the world leaders and punch these out. Yeah. Um, who? Name somebody in power. Putin. Putin. <laughs> Buddy old pal old friend. You want to fix Russia in like an afternoon? Because I can. And you've got the power to do it, my friend. Boy, oh boy, have you got the power. Let's let's make it happen, you and I. And Ian. I don't want to go alone. <laughs> I don't want to go alone. It's not that I don't trust you. It's just that I don't want to go alone. Yeah, we trust you 100%. Yeah, yeah I just need, I want a friend. My okay. Russian isn't that good. <laughs> Number five is actually religious conflicts. Oh, good. It is top five. How are you going to solve religious conflicts? It's hard because you've got a very vocal group of young people that are just so far removed from religion in that they, they first of all, don't believe in a religion. And also, if you bring it up, they think it's phony or they think, you know, you're not hashtag woke. And, um... And then you've got another large majority of people that do have religious values um, and a small subsect of them in anger towards the people that aren't religious are being vitriolic. And I think that's part of the issue. Like they talk about all the time, well, if you're Christian, you must hate gays. And that's just not true. Yeah. Because Christianity is founded on the fact of not judging other people. The only um, one who could draw that conclusion is someone who isn't Christian and has never actually read up on the fundamentals of Christianity. Yes, yes. and I think there are a lot of people out there that, that, that maybe would have that opinion when really at the end of the day, as a, as a Christian, it's not your job to judge. It's not. You're, you're supposed to love and respect everybody. Yeah, and always forgive. And always forgive them and always... Try to help them. I mean, I'm not saying force your help down their throat, yeah. but I'm I'm saying to help be whatever they need you to be in terms of a good person and really let the rest of it to the guy in charge, the guy upstairs, you know, because he's the one that's going to be doing the judging. It's not my job to judge. And I think a lot of people um, misstep that fact and in an effort to show flaws of people that aren't religious will start throwing out untrue statements. And then that kind of which, drives a wedge in between. Well, yeah, not only does it drive a wedge, also the Lord is not a huge fan of people speaking on his behalf, especially oh, misspeaking no. yep. on his behalf. I mean, you could go through the whole Old Testament and you could see times where people have done that and it has never ended well. No. God says very outright not to do that. And of course, maybe, my, maybe I have you know, perspective bias because I am a Christian man and I am very firm in my values and I've, I've defended my values many times against many different religions and different, um, philosophies, non, different philosophies of people that aren't religious at all or think it's dumb. Um, but if I were to solve the conflict itself, the, the, the point of strife, I would first of all, understand your own religion. And instead of, trying to force it on someone else or tell them how bad they are, let that to the guy in charge. That's a good idea. That that works with pretty much all religions. The only time I can't see that working is with people who don't have a religion because yeah. if you're atheist or agnostic or something along those lines, basically, if you mock the idea that there is a God, you're putting yourself in the place 
of God. Yeah. Thus, you are far more likely and prone to judge others and take that role into your own hands, which I think is very unhealthy. Even if you don't believe in a God or God or anything, you still shouldn't... You need to be humble enough to realize that it's never your place yes. to throw judgment. That's yep. that's not something one human has any sort of moral high ground on another to do. Yeah, and we're, I mean, of course, we're not talking judgment as, in terms of like a specific field, but in terms of moral judgment. Yes. Specifically. It's yeah, definitely not my job to do that. And I, I personally, I guess on a personal note, I feel really bad for the people, specifically they're agnostic. Because they don't disagree that there's a God, they're just not full bore yep. on board. And it was explained to me one time like this, that people that live in sin, it's like living in a jail cell that is really comfortable, it's got everything you've ever wanted, and the door is wide open. You can come and go whenever you want. There's an, always a nice bed. The lights go out whenever you want. It's, it's your version of perfect. And the door is wide open. But one day that door is going to close. Yep. And it will never open again. And you're going to be stuck in that cell forever. And that's going to be the day as soon as it closes. That's when you realize, yeah. wait a minute, my perfect is anything but. Yes. Yes. And I then I particularly use that when I, when I try to refocus myself, because sometimes I get so caught up personally in things that aggravate me or just things that in my perspective are just stupid and should not be happening. Mm -hmm. You know, whether it be in the workplace at school, you know, just whatever it might be. And, and just to, I, I sort of use that, as a refocusing tool, personally. Yeah. Oh, down to four. All this right. one's going to be a doozy. You're going to oh, have to try goodness. to solve this one. Holy crap. Dude, I'm running out of ideas here. you got to solve poverty. Oh, good God. <laughs> let's, hear you, let's hear you solve poverty here in the next a, couple minutes. I can minutes. do a whole TED Talk on poverty, really, because what's funny is everything you've mentioned, I've said, I've done research into this, which is really funny because I've done research into poverty, too. There you go. I've... Just I, do TED Talk. I think a gentleman's a it, chat. The TED Talk. I think a lot of it comes from just my studies in the humanities. And I've and also, I've always... I have to be the best at something. Yeah. Right? Like, I have this inner competition with myself. And if it's not let out in something like a sport or an activity, it's let out in research. <laughs> so I will spend every night... I must reading. know the most there is to yes, know about this. I will, and I'll, I'll take notes in all these different fields, and I just walk around with this balloon of useless knowledge. <laughs> Poverty, really, we tried to tackle it as a country back in the 1950s with the Great Society and Lyndon Johnson, and it was, it was actually going very well. We dropped unemployment from 22% down to 13%, and that was after people came back from the war... The war was over. We had, you know, suburbanized. Things were going really well. I mean, you could argue there was racial tensions still existing, and those would overflow in the next decade. But we were doing a lot of work in terms of poverty and making sure everybody had a fair shake. Uh, of course, then the Vietnam War came, and we gave a billion dollars to the South Vietnam people, and, and it, it kind of went downhill from there in terms of um, social policies and, and our war on poverty. Solving poverty is difficult because there are so many different reasons why people are in poverty. It's easy for the privilege to say, just go get a job, when there might be exterior factors that they can't get a job. 
And I think part of the issue is understanding that and, and looking at it through the lens of if they could just get a job, you know, why are they still here? If it was that easy and there are so many places hiring and they'll hire anybody for any work and they'll pay you, why haven't they done it yet? And a lot of times it's a lot of times they can't financially. Yeah. Because of especially here in our country how yep. it works. They may be able to get a job easily, but if they have a family and maybe they were laid off in a while, they got an injury or whatnot, to go back to work it would cost them more. Yeah. In terms of insurance and different things we actually have to pay for and tax and whatnot, then not to work at all. So yeah. they're in a position where they can work, but it would hurt them. Yeah, and the job isn't always the issue because now you have exterior things. Okay, yep. I have to be to work at 8 a.m. Maybe sleep, I don't have a car. <laughs> I sleep under a bridge. Yep. Well, I don't know what time it is. I don't know how to get there. I don't know how to take a shower every night to present myself in a professional manner. I don't have clothes to do those things. And what is really cool for me is there are so many programs that have started up, especially in our area, where they will assist people with that. And they will make sure that they have clothes and a way to get to work. And they'll they'll set you up the, a path. Yeah. They'll, they'll offer you not just a job, but six months beyond it. Yes. They'll get you to a stable income, a place to live, uh, you know, a car. They'll, they'll set you on a journey so you can better yourself. Yes, those Man. those are wonderful because they give people a chance to basically become who they want to be. Yeah. And they're not just left out to dry because a lot of times if you go somewhere and they'll be like, okay, well, here's $500 for you to get your life back on track. That's not really going to help a lot no. of people. No, they don't have enough direction. Because they're, they're going to either squandered or they're not going to know how they might try yep. and they're not going to know what to do with that to get that, yep. to get that start, to get that fresh start. But if you have an organization that like, as long as you're working with them and you're trying, they will work with you and they will help you basically plant your feet, not yep. just give you a little boost. Yeah. And I, that I helps think, a lot. I also think people that argue race issues or, um, poverty among certain ethnicities is more important than others. I think that's ridiculous. I feel it, like that's know, racist. If, if, if poverty is big among Hispanics more so than it is white people, that doesn't mean that the white guy living under a bridge doesn't matter. Exactly. Because he does. You know, I, I think it, it's an all-encompassing issue and it comes in so many different faces and so many different colors that when you start limiting yourself or drawing these boundary lines of race you're really only hurting in the long run yourself. Yeah. Because you can't get to those people. It'll always, it'll always stunt overall progress yes. because you're only working on one individual group, which in and of itself is also sort of racist. I also think a way to help the issue is through schools because in a lot of communities, schools are um, the center place it's where everyone rallies around. It's maybe, you know, the, it's the main building where learning takes place besides maybe like a library or something. So it's a, it's a safe place for people to go. And I think education is power because at the end of the day, if you know something, they can't take that away from you. You can lose your house, you can lose your job, but you can't lose your degree. That is true. 
So I think at the end of the day, if if schools allowed people more class mobility in terms of going from super poor to super rich, I mean, of course, I don't know what that looks like, but I think the idea that a, a school could be a center place for helping institute some amount of change, I think would be um, productive. Yeah. It's where... And it's a system we already have. Yeah. You don't have to create something. You no. just have to add upon what we already have and try yep. to boost it up. Yep. It's a great idea. You have enough... You have just as many schools as there are bars. Number three. Oh, goodness. We're in the big three now. I know my voice is starting to go. The big three. These are going to be wonderful. First one. Inequality. And they have it in parentheses... So, it's specific. Income discrimination. Income discrimination. Income discrimination. What I would guess that means is the very stereotypical, a woman only makes 72 cents on the dollar. Okay. Or met, white men get paid more than black men. Okay. Or Asians make all the money because they have all the doctorates and hmm. they work hard. <laughs> You know, I'm going to ponder this one over an ad read. You know, I'll be honest. I don't, um, <sighs> what's it, what's, what's it called again? What like, what's the actual income discrimination, income discrimination, discrimination in terms of gender discrimination does not exist. Um, statistically speaking, people say women make 72 cents on the hour than men do, but yet they employ more men than women. Yeah. I mean, if a company could save 30 cents an hour, they'd only hire women, only hire women. And I also think you need to take into context where they get those numbers from. They take it from money earned and overall hours worked. Yes. Women have a, a particularly cool role in society. And that they get to bear children. And that, I mean, that is, that's, that's wild. Like, that's super cool, right? No one else gets to do that shit. And they get maternity leave. You know, they're not going to lose their job. In fact, some places have paid maternity leave. Yep. So, I think you, you, you make an argument for 72 cents on the dollar. Statistically, it's not true. But even if I gave that to you... You get 72 cents on the hour, but you know what? You get six weeks of paid maternity leave and works have to, by law, do certain things to help a young mother or yes. to help a young woman as she tries to succeed in her career. There are different opportunities. Now, I'm not saying better or worse, but there are different opportunities that women get that men don't get. So... I think in terms of income disparity, it's hard to make a, a long-lasting argument mm -hmm. um, when you start compiling things like stats and opportunities. I think you could make a strong argument for race discriminatoryness. Um, not in that uh, black people only get paid 50 cents to the white man's dollar, but in that if you look typically at the jobs that black men and white men hold, or I mean, to insert any race, it doesn't really matter. Uh, stereotypically, they might be different positions. And uh, inherently different positions pay differently. Yes. So I think you could 
you couldn't make an argument that it's like purposeful discrimination, but you yeah. could make an argument that they are different. Yeah. Inequality is a weird term to try it to is, throw away there. Yeah. Throw around there because a lot of that comes to different jobs yeah. pay different things and different people tend to take different jobs. So a lot of it's down to job choice. If we're going to solve income inequality, we'd probably have to regulate, and I'm and I'm saying this is what we'd have to do, it's also a terrible idea, so just full Buckle disclaimer, <laughs> we'd have to regulate how many people are allowed to do each specific job, that way we have an equal number of everyone doing an e every job, because then everything would be even. Yeah. The problem with that is that's a terrible way to do the any, works. any sort of job. Yeah, I'm sorry, miss, but we need a couple more underwater welders. I know you're not certified, but we need you. Yeah, right? <laughs> Just takes a... Oh, that, that would be awful. So that's what would have to happen. It's not going to, and I'm glad it doesn't. Yeah, inequality is a pretty weird term to use. Mm -hmm. Because it can mean so much. Yeah. So it's apples and oranges. Number two... Roll out the big guns now. Speaking of big guns, number two guns? is large-scale conflict and wars. Oh, I thought it was just going to be guns. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> wars. How are you going to solve wars, Billy? I have the easiest solution. I say, I mean... We as Americans nuke everybody else. We're, then it's just America. No more wars. Yeah, but... I'm also not saying that's a good idea. I'm saying it's the did, quickest way to you solution. Did, you did throw that disclaimer out. So I can't be mad at you. <laughs> Uh, how do you fix wars? You know, people have been arguing this one for centuries now. Um, I don't know. I think the easiest thing would be compassion again. Same thing with any sort of disagreement. If you honestly try to view something through someone else's perspective, 95% of the time you're going to learn that, you know what, maybe I shouldn't be so harsh. Maybe I can soften my position. Maybe... Yeah. I can at least, I don't have to agree with you, but I can at least understand where yeah. you're getting your idea. You can rest of the agree to disagree. We'll just yes. each go our own ways, but it's okay. Uh, yes. Um, in terms of war, not even conflict, but just war. War doesn't always happen because of like conflict between two nations. Sometimes it's, you know, it's just... Some crazy guy wants to... Mass genocide, pretty yeah, much everybody, and you got to. People think war and conflict. They think, you know, the big Americans splashy. hate Indians. Really, it's a, it's a battle over land. Yeah, they you know there's there's a resource battle that mm -hmm. I don't think you can ever stop because there's a finite amount of space, and everybody wants a different amount of it. That's true, and as far as resources go, usually the more resources you have, the better off you are, and. As like leading the leaders of a country or a people, you're always going to want more because you want your people to be as well off as possible. Yeah. So in order to stop that, everybody would have to have the same leaders. Yeah. Which is both not going to happen and is usually a bad idea. Because if you only have one source of power, then as soon as and throughout history, 100% of the time... If you have a single source of power, it always becomes corrupt, yep. even if it has the best starting intentions. Yep. And as soon as it becomes corrupt, 
there's only one source of power. It's never uncorrupting. And then that's game over. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. The people with a lot of resources, other people want that land. And you have to understand that for millennia, that's what like humans did. Yep. They, I want your land. I'm going to take it by force. It hasn't, you know, it's only been 60 years since we've decided, you know, maybe this whole war thing isn't a great idea. <laughs> yeah, let, let's just ease back and we'll let be. We created the United Nations for a reason. And even so, there's still endless wars in certain parts of the world, like the Middle East and whatnot, yeah. that they're just never going to stop yeah. at this point. Yeah, they started a war over religion, because yes. over religious lands, and other countries stepped in when... Things like terrorism started, and or, I mean, of course, originally we stepped in to try to help. Yes, uh, especially from this country, we've always been known to be the you know the worldwide peacekeeper. Yep. So if we need to go in there and be like, all right, let's settle down and talk it out, that's kind of what we do. We're the table where we can set up the beers. Yes, until you you blow down a couple of our international trade buildings, in which case. Uh, because Operation Desert Storm cleared <laughs> like half a continent in 36 hours. Hey, which is, I guess it, it's a lot more violent way of doing things, but it is also a very successful way at warding off wars and terrorism. Because if people know that they're just going to get stomped, they're far less likely to pick a fight with That's a crocodile. That's true. It's like they talk about... I suppose maybe they don't talk about this on battlefields, but you you always hear that, you know, guys are pinned down and then air support comes in. Yeah. I mean, you only need to hear the crack of the overhead gun <laughs> one time. And everybody on the opposing team, if you will, have to go, oh, no. Yeah, this oh, was a bad like idea. You hear an F-20 come flying, not even flying, screaming overhead. And you hear just dead. Just mountains evaporates. I mean, you, I don't, uh, yeah, at some point you just have to go, this is not a good yes. idea. It, it, no way would a normal person at that, in those situ- circumstances, be willing to try to start anything. Yeah. That doesn't fix war. No, it's more of a preventative. Yeah. It fixes conflict, though. Conflict, yeah. Conflict is, I suppose, almost inevitable, though. I mean, you could make that argument to me. Fair enough. The big gun. The number one. That's number one? You're shitting me. No, 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 I no, thought no, racism no. was going to be number one for sure. Oh, I was going to ask you what you thought number one was. What is number one, Billy? Well, you just told are, me. Are you, you, told me you going? Was, you no, me. it's... No, no, I said the big gun, number one. It, uh, it's not guns. Oh, I'm guessing racism. You're guessing racism. It has to be. It has to be. Why Why do you think that? Because not only is America dealing with a quote-unquote race issue, <laughs> so is all of the European Union. Okay. I mean, the whole Brexit thing started based off of uh, immigration reform issues. Yep. So. All right. Well, you're wrong. The biggest issue, and 48.8% of the people that took this Holy poll wow. agree climate change is the number one issue. Des- slash destruction us. of nature. Yes, slash destruction of nature. And here we see climatemarch.org and a dude going, arr, arr. <laughs> Climate destruction, sorry, uh, nature destruction is a pretty easily, pretty easy fix. Um, specifically in this country, most of our nature destruction comes from wildfires mm-hmm. and other um, 
random acts like that. The yeah, acts so of we, God, if you will. So we get rid of California. No more wildfires. Yeah, no more right, destruction. Right. Um, but we we are ramping up our efforts of of fixing those issues, replanting those forests, and there are actually species of trees and and um, uh, forestry that grow better. You know, in after a burnout. Yes. With a nice fertile ash. Yes. There are there is something to be said about that. Um so I think we're doing a good thing with that. Of course there's this big movement, you know, Team Trees, Elon Musk recently donated to it, you know, big Google CEOs. Oh yeah. People, we people just have are, trees galore going yeah, everywhere. They're, they're gonna plant like twelve million trees by the by the end of the next year. Pretty soon we're just gonna be more trees than people. Yeah, right. So they're doing a really good thing there. Climate change is a difficult one because you have half a population that doesn't believe it's real. And in fairness, they make a good point. Because if you're an uneducated person, you just walk out of the side like, well, you know, where we live, it, this is the coldest day of the month that it's ever been on record. So you'd say, well, how is it global warming if this is the coldest day that's ever happened on this date in recorded history? Which as a, as a point case is very valid. Yes. And, and also, you know, when we were in grade school, they were saying we're going back into an ice age. That and is actually, true. It just flipped. It, it, statistically speaking, it, it actually was true. The earth was cooling. Cooling, yep. For, you know, a decade or better. Oh, yeah. Oh, actually, quite It was a, lot, a good, like, 30 years yeah. or so, that stretch. Several, like... several decades, the, the earth was cooling. And then we saw three years ago uh, a pretty severe spike upwards. You know, we haven't... Um, necessarily concluded longitudinally if that was um you know if this decade is maybe something special you know if it's you know a misnomer or anything like that but what you know we have definitely looked at things like climate change and and half the population disagrees with it so i think if you're gonna fix climate change you need to not only get everybody on the same page but you need to do it in such a way that you're presenting actual fact yeah because when you take fact and run it through the political machine, somehow you have two different facts. It's shocking how they do this. Really, <laughs> it's sort of like uh, the Dr. Seuss book where the where the people where the the they get the stars on their belly or stuff like that. Oh yeah, the, the little creatures or whatever. At, the, at the beach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sneetches on the beaches or whatever the hell they call that. Yeah, except the political machine. One fact, one a hard fact goes in one way, and it comes out saying two different things on the other yep. side. So I think you need to present the facts. Just how in, you are able to stretch and twist statistics. Yeah, you need, yeah, that, that's just, that I think is part of the problem. Um, and then, of course, actually looking at the issue more longitudinally, because the Earth has been around for a long time. You know, I mean, and we've only recorded the past... 100 years or so. Yep. So it's hard to say definitively what is happening. What we do know for sure is that we are dumping a lot of carbon into the air and we're burning down a lot of trees. So, I mean, just basic mathematics, that's not good. (laughs) But in terms of, you know, people say, you know, by 2050, it'll be too late. They said in 2005, they said by 2019, it would be too late. Yep. They updated that stat to say 2030. Oh, yeah. You know, that... Yeah. Really, the world should have ended by now. Oh, yeah. If all the alarmists were to be correct, we would be dead. 
Having said that, from what I've encountered, like, no one on any political stance, everyone wants the world to be fine. Yeah. And I've never heard... Okay. I've heard maybe, like, one person, one crazy person that might have just been trolling. You never know. But just about everybody, like, 100% of other people are completely fine doing what they can to help the environment. Like, everyone is on board with planting trees. Everyone is on board with trying to recycle where you can and whatnot. I think where the biggest discrepancy comes from is how to... What what means need to be done on a mass scale? Because if you're trying to incorporate mass changes to, say, like America, for example, that's going to cost a lot of money. It's going to take a lot of time. And it's going to take a lot of time. With those two things, especially because we don't, like you said, we don't have a lot of recorded history as far as the climate goes and whatnot. And we're always progressing technologically into cleaner and better ways of doing things. That if we invest all this time and money into something, we could substantially hurt our economic state that would take a long time to recover from. But in the end, we may not not needed to do it because in the, like maybe in five years, someone invents something that cleans it up. Maybe uses carbon dioxide to make water or something. You never know. Yeah, I think people... <clears throat> people sometimes get a little... <sighs> bent out of shape for no reason sometimes. Yeah. It's, you know, and, and they want change to happen immediately. They're like, oh my gosh, the climate's going to die. By tomorrow, the oh. president better have passed 15 acts and Congress better have sat down and put together... 13 international laws and the UN better be meeting yesterday and by next week. And I mean Tuesday when a gentleman's <laughs> chat comes out, they better have the issue solved. Exactly. It's like, you know what? The change on this big a scale takes decades. Yes. And to do it effectively, you also need not rush it. Yep. It's very important that you get it right. Mm-hmm. And that you also get everybody on board. So if it takes you 10 years to get everybody on board, that's a useful 10 years. Yes. And people people just need to calm down, do what they can personally, and slowly allow change. Mm-hmm. I've, I've always been a laid-back kind of guy. Maybe it's because I'm also Christian, so I have the backing that I know God's going to take care of it. Yeah, it's, if this it's thing fine. goes south, I don't care. Really. Yeah. I'm, um, but along those lines, he made the world long ago. And even if you don't believe in God, the world is really ancient. Well, if you do believe we've, in God, we've you made think it. it's, it, it, people of, of that, that date is far different from what Bill Nye says the earth and is. And most of the time when you have the biggest alarmists, those are going to be more like your Bill Nye's and yeah. the, the scientists think the that earth come out. Is 17 Billion years old. And that in the past 30 years, we've managed to utterly destroy it. Yes. Which is preposterous. They say that not one, but two moon-sized meteors ran into our planet. We bounced back from that just fine. Yeah, things worked out. Nothing. We pollute a little? We're all going to die in 10 years. Yeah. I feel like that's a bit of a stretch. We don't want to pollute because, of course, that's going to last hundreds of years. It does have lasting effects, yeah. But at the same time, we're not going to explode into a ball of flame because someone accidentally dropped a plastic straw in the restaurant and they had to get a new one. 
Yeah, I think I think if people were more measured in their statements, I, I agree with you. Yeah. I, I think there's, there's always a middle ground, and the truth is always somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Is the climate changing? Well, yeah, the climate's always changing. Is or do we pollute a bit too much? Well, yeah, we're humans. That's that's kind of what we're good at. Is what we're good at. And warring. Yeah, and warring. Dude, top two. We're good at both of those. <laughs> but are we doing so much harm that the world can't recover? I doubt it. I, I really doubt it. That's fair. And even if we have even if we have done so much damage that we can't recover from it, at this point, if we can't recover from it, eh, who cares? It's, it's already said and done then. Yeah. Then what's... What is the point in trying to immediately try to change all our ways if you say we're going to die in 10 years anyhow? At least live out the last 10 years happy. Live it up like it's the roaring 20s again. Just (laughs) go for it. Great Gatsby, that bad boy. But if you want to take the middle ground and look into the middle where the truth is, and yeah, we pollute, but yeah, the world's going to be around quite a bit longer because we're not going to change that, then sure, yes. Make some changes, don't pollute as much, find different, cleaner ways of doing things, and the world's just going to be a better place. I think if you were to sum up all ten of those issues, of how to f- how to fix those issues, I think you could very easily say, if you looked for the middle ground on all of those issues, if you looked to both sides and both perspectives, and you tried to have an honest an earnest conversation, I think it could solve most of those issues. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a great life lesson. And we've been able to do that in 40 minutes. Yeah, almost an hour. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, well, the ad ran 40 long, you know. You know, you know, the ad Darn goes. ads. Yeah, those, that 30-second <laughs> ad just really cuts into our time. That is true. Yeah. You know, you know I think this has been a very productive episode. I'd like to think so as well. Is there any is there any other big topics you have on hand that we can close out the last three minutes with? Oh, big topics. I don't have anything here. Okay. But I have a little bit of a pet peeve. Oh, all right. Sure. And speaking with our tried and true, of course it has to be at a restaurant. Oh, no. <laughs> all right, folks. Buckle up again. And this one was short and simple. And I notice it, this is the second time now that I've gone to this particular establishment and have noticed it. High-end Hibachi Grill place, where if anybody hasn't gone there, you go there and they make the food in front of you. They have a show, the chef does cool tricks, makes a whole bunch of fresh, high-dollar It's entertainment as much as it is an eating experience. But along with the chef, there is also, we'll call them a server, because they bring you a water... And they tell you the chef will be out soon. Now, unfortunately, the last couple times I've gone, they changed the way tipping works. Whereas before you were able to tip the server and the chef, they now bundle it together. Where when you tip, they just divide it 50-50. The chef gets half and the server gives half, gets half. And I hate that. There is absolutely no way... In my mind, that a chef who spent the entire time cooking my meal, performing an entire show for me, and keeping the grill clean, and he had to clean up his own area and everything anyhow, needs to be tipped equal as the person who brought me a water. That's fair. 
That's kind of bummy. Yeah. Also, it happened to be my younger, I have twin siblings, and it was their birthday dinner. It was the first time ever. And never been to a restaurant that does this before. And this place, I know for a fact that this has to be a new thing. They have candles they can put in the little, they have ice cream at the end of the meal. They give you a little candle for your birthday, a little sparkler-like thing, and they come out and sing. This year, they didn't do that. And we asked why, and they said, well, you didn't want the birthday package. And we're like, birthday package? What is this? Apparently, $3 a person for a candle. Like a five-cent candle at most. They probably pay a five cents for a hundred of these things. And a couple servers to come out on shift, so it's costing them absolutely nothing to sing happy birthday. Three dollars a person. It would cost them six dollars for them to come out and just say happy birthday. That's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. That's, that's, that's the dumbest <laughs> thing I've heard yet today. <laughs> Dude, if I were you, I would have whipped out a candle and some ice cream I brought with me and sung <laughs> happy birthday. I mean, No, see, that's the thing. They don't even have to pay for the ice cream because the ice cream comes with every meal. Every oh, hibachi good. dinner yeah. comes with the ice cream. It is literally the half a cent candle and someone just to sing happy birthday. It costs them nothing. And they want $3 a person for it. Dude, that's upsetting. Yeah. That, wow. Here I felt good. We just made up all these, you know, the way to fix the world. Now I'm kind of upset. <laughs> I mean, huh. Well, folks, uh, well, I don't even know what to say to that. That's frustrating. I'd be frustrated at that. That is true. Did you, well, now hang on. Did you end up going for the birthday package? Hell no. Ah, I figured as much. No. I had to ask, extra though. money for that. I had to ask. They would actually throw in a little cake for them. As oh. well, but that's $9 extra per person. What? $9 extra per person for their birthday. Dude, I could go to Dairy Queen right now. Yep. And I could get a gigantic sheet cake. Yep. For $18. Yep. And I mean, more than two young people could eat. And I'm sure you could pay $6 to get everyone in the store to sing for you. Yeah, dude. <laughs> the store, they would have custom put their name on it. They'd have put 15 candles yeah. on it for all they cared. <laughs> Garbage. So yeah, that was that was a little bit of a pet peeve, but a good thing. Okay. We'll end on a high note, just okay. because. I like it. I got a new coat recently, Billy. <laughs> and it's not where I, I never this is going. I never really wear coats, right? I'm more of a sweatshirt guy, even though I live in Wisconsin, I should probably get in the habit, you know, because it's cold. Yeah. But it's a nice ski coat where it's the thin one, but it's also waterproof and Really warm. Okay. And I got it on sale. <laughs> How much did you pay for this coat? How much did I pay for this coat? Yes. I paid seventeen twenty-five for this Holy coat. Moly. Brand new? Yeah, brand spanking you new. Get that from Off the one? rack. Yeah. Wow. It's beautiful. I'll show you after the chat. <laughs> wow. But this is like if you got one of the is it North Shore or North no, Face? North North Face, I think it's something North. like that. But if one of those, that's like one of their two hundred dollar coats, and I got it for seventeen twenty five. Wow! So you Highlight got ripped of off in a hibachi, but you came back and pulled us back to even with a brand new coat. Yes, I like it. That sounds good to me, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode nine of a gentleman's chat with your hosts Ian and Billy. We will see you next week.